So in this episode, we are going to get into uh, the basics of the loan process. So I thought it would be a good idea to start the year out and go through an overview of the basics of the loan process, um, why you should not be intimidated by the loan process, and what's going to happen as you go through uh, the stages of the loan process. So this episode will be good for my referral partners, realtor partners to get refreshed again on that process. Uh, if they've gotten a little bit rusty as, uh, as the years have gotten super busy. Um, and then also for people that are out there that are interested in applying for a mortgage, uh, purchasing real estate, uh, it's a good idea to get a little bit of a background of what you're going to be faced with, what you're going to be looking at, uh, and realize that the hurdles are really not that great. Uh, all of the professional loan officers, we spend a lot of time trying to make the process as easy and simple as possible. But I thought it would be a good idea to go through uh, the five main stages of a mortgage loan process so you know what to expect. You know, it's also good because I've got many clients that I've helped over the years that maybe haven't done a mortgage for a period of time and things change. Uh, the basics have stayed the same for over 25 years, uh, but there are always little tweaks to the process and different things uh, that change. So I'm going to see if I've, uh, let's see here, okay, I'm having a little bit of a, of a quality issue there on the, on the streaming. Um, okay, so uh, this episode is going to be dedicated to just going through the five main parts of the loan process. The very first part is, of course, the application. Now, the very first part is actually the decision to apply for financing or to purchase a property, but for right now we're going to stick to uh, what is the first stage in the mortgage process. So you've really got five stages that are going to go application, pre-approval, documentation and processing, underwriting, and closing. So again, those five main stages are application, pre-approval, documentation and processing, underwriting, and closing. So for right now we're going to focus on that very first piece which is the application. Now a lot of people just think oh I've got to apply for my mortgage or I'm just going to fill out some basic information and get the process started. And that is true. A lot of what we do with, as mortgage professionals is we try to make the process easy for people especially if they've never bought a home before or never applied for a mortgage or even if they own a home now um, and it's been several years they haven't been through the process in a while so oftentimes if someone has not bought a house in any you know four or five years or applied for a mortgage in four or five years oftentimes I, I treat those individuals and those customers um, and referrals of mine as first-time homebuyers because a lot of times people will go through the process the first time uh, even subsequent times and it's such a rush and such a uh, process uh, and you've got these professionals that are helping guide you through the process that it's very easy to get finished with the process look up a couple of years down the road and forget most of what happened during the actual process. So uh, this is a little bit of a reminder of what to expect when you start the process. Uh, 
So there's several ways to take an application. You can sit down with your loan officer. You can make an appointment with me, come in, sit down. We can take the loan application together. We can take the loan application over the phone. Most of the loan applications that get initiated these days are initiated electronically. Uh, they're going to be taken either on your phone or on your computer, that type of thing. So most applications are taken uh, electronically these days. The application itself is broken down into about five sections. So I'm going to do another episode where we'll go into each one of those five sections um, and examine each one so that you know what they're really asking. You know, the mortgage process can seem invasive um, at times, but the real truth of the matter is the lender has to get the basic information of your financial standing so that they can make a credit decision as to whether uh, to loan this money to you or not. And so, um, you know, when you really think of it in that the lender is going to be giving you a large amount of money, it is going to be secured by real estate, that's true, but there's two factors that come into play. One, the lender is, going, going, is giving you a large amount of money. Um, to me, it's a large amount of money. I mean, to me, 50 bucks is a large amount of money. I mean, we're talking several hundred thousand dollars that the lender is most likely going to give you. And again, it is secured by property, but that's also part of why we have to dig into the details in the loan application. So uh, that's the very first thing to understand is, yes, it can seem a little invasive. However, if you understand exactly what it is that they're doing, uh, then if it was your money that you were loaning out, I bet you would ask uh, many more questions than what we ask on our loan applications. So the big thing about the loan application is it's going to go into five main areas, and those areas are going to be the borrower personal information, your assets and liabilities, your financial uh, obligations, um, and your declarations, um, and it's also going to go into your assets and liabilities. So the mortgage application becomes uh, sort of like a balance sheet. Um, it actually does come up with and come and, and calculate a net worth for each borrower, which we used to use the net worth calculation in some instances. We don't really use that very much any longer. Um, however, it does operate sort of like a balance sheet. So the biggest thing about the mortgage application is you want to make sure that the mortgage is application is complete. All of the information is filled out. Now, oftentimes when you start the mortgage application, there will be things that you are being asked that you may not know how to answer. So my best advice would be is you're, if you're going through the application, Go through and complete the application as much as you possibly can. Make it as complete as possible, but don't get hung up on any sections if you get stuck. If the application is asking you something and you don't know how to answer it, trust me, your loan officer will be able to guide you through that and, get, and, and help you answer the questions that they're trying to find out. So, for example, you may have an account that uh, has opened 
but not yet reported and you don't really know how to reflect that on your application. You may have joint accounts that you don't know exactly how to reflect those on the application. You may be getting funds from a family member as a gift and not know how to document that or how to put that down on the application. So if anything doesn't come clear, keep going through the application and then sit down. Your loan officer will guide you through what you really need to find out. So the big thing is understand that the loan application is your story and your story has to be complete and accurate for your loan officer to be able to help. If you don't provide complete and accurate information, then it's going to really handcuff your loan officer and your lender in being able to make a really good credit decision for you that will help you move to the next step. So that's the first step of the process is going to be the application. The big thing to keep in mind is make sure you get your application information in, in, in a timely manner, and most of all, most importantly, make sure your application is complete or your loan officer won't be able to help you. All right, if you want to put in a mortgage application, you can go to shannonwheeler.com and do one for real, and then we can just take it from the uh, live example uh, to the real world if that was something that you needed to pursue. But if you get an opportunity and you want to put in a mortgage application, just know and remember a complete mortgage application is the very best thing and it's the very best way to get the process started or you'll have to go back and double your efforts to try to get the information complete. Okay, so let's talk about stage two of the loan process. You've talked to your loan officer, you've submitted your application, and we covered in the first part uh, some of the details of the loan application, and uh, next week we'll be going into details in um, section one of the loan application, uh, but for today we want to talk about stage two, which is pre-approval or uh, pre-qualification. Um, different loan officers use different terms at different times. So that's one of the things I want to talk about today is to just make sure that for the purposes of my discussion and the purposes of what we're doing at the Shannon Wheeler Mortgage Team, sort of give the difference between the two, what a pre-approval, pre-qualification, what we mean by those things, um, and what that really means for you in that stage of the process. So again, you've submitted your full complete application and you've spoken with a loan officer. So at that point in time, the loan officer will uh, fill in any details from the loan application that may have been missing, get any clarification, etc. And then we're going to do a preliminary evaluation of the information that you've provided. So as we go through the process all the way from application to closing, you'll start to see how these pieces fall together. At this point, what we're really talking about is we're talking about using uh, several, uh, several uh, assumptions that we're going to make uh, to help us get to some conclusion that helps us move forward with that application. So for example, some of those assumptions would be the information that's been provided by the client is accurate information. So we just sort of take uh, what the client has stated on their application uh, to be the case. Uh, at this point, we haven't done the other verifications to verify that information. We're simply taking what the borrower said 
on their application to give us an idea of what they could qualify for. The other thing that we're going to do is we're going to begin to match up that borrower and that borrower's requested uh, situation with available and eligible products. So at this stage, there's a, a process that's going on um, by your loan officer where uh, he or she is going to be asking themselves some basic questions. Hey, the borrower said they've got X amount of dollars to be able to use for down payment and closing costs. So based on what products I have available, that's going to put them into this category of loans or it's going to put them into a different category of loans that maybe you can obtain if you have a little more of a down payment. So they're real rough estimates and I'll give you a good example, a real world example. If someone comes to me, I take their complete application, they've, they've applied for a mortgage and they state to me that they don't have any money saved up to invest in a new property. So typically what I ask people is, Okay, now you're looking to purchase a new home, or you know, brief finance doesn't really apply. You're looking to purchase a new home or purchase existing construction. How much money do you have set aside, and how much have you saved up to invest in this new property? And so, what I'm trying to determine is I'm trying to determine what money they've got to work with and what money I have to work with to be able to put them in particular products. So if that person says to me, well, we've not had an opportunity to save any money for a down payment. We don't have anything to invest at this time. So right then, I can eliminate certain products that that client probably is not going to qualify for. For example, if I have a product that carries a 20% down payment, like a regular conventional loan with no mortgage insurance, that requires a 20% down payment. Well, the borrower has stated that they don't have the 20% to put down, so I've got to consider other products for them in my thinking that are not going to require as big of a down payment. So my mind may go towards uh, VA, so I may ask, do they have any veteran eligibility? Of course, we're going to ask if they have veteran eligibility in the process regardless of what the answers are because if they do have veteran eligibility or VA eligibility, <clears throat> then that gives them access to a VA home loan that's particular to the fact that, they're, uh, that they have VA eligibility. So that question is going to get asked uh, through the process. But for this part, what we're really doing is trying to get to know you as a borrower. I'm trying to get to know, Shannon Wheeler is trying to get to know you as a client of my firm and find out what it is that you have to work with so that I can help you get the goal accomplished that you're trying to accomplish. So we're going through that pre-approval or pre-qualification process. The borrower states, I don't have any money, or let's say they've, they give a smaller amount. It's not 20%, but it's somewhere in between. They say, well, I have $10,000 to work with, however much money that may be. That's going to start to guide my pre-approval, <coughs> excuse me, my pre-qualification or pre-approval efforts based on what they're telling me. So we're going to gather all that information, interview the borrower. Based on that interview and based on the information that's been provided, we then hopefully can issue or get comfortable enough to pre-approve or pre-qualify that borrower. Now, 
this is where it gets to be important to know the difference and, and to, to know the terms that your loan officer is using. So if your loan officer says you're pre-approved, but none of your information has been verified, then you know that pre-approval in my mind is not a very solid pre-approval. It's more like a pre-qualification, and you may ask the difference, pre-qualification versus pre-approval. In my mind, a pre-qualification is a complete application and extensive interview with the borrower. That, based on that information and a credit report, you can make some, some assertion about their ability to purchase. So if they don't have a credit score that disqualifies them, if they, they've got enough income based on what they've stated, etc., then that person, in my mind, can be pre-qualified, but for the Shannon Wheeler Mortgage Team, pre-qualified is really meaning extensive conversation with the borrower, interview, and complete loan application. Um, and again, that's really just a conversation. I would never tell a borrower or tell a realtor, yes, I've approved that borrower or pre-approved that borrower to purchase at that price point at this stage. At this stage, it is simply okay, we have the big pieces in place, we can begin to look to move forward. Now, the next stage is a pre-qualification or pre-approval, and within stage two, which is that pre-approval process, you'll have the pre-qualification, which is that extensive interview and conversation, but then to get stage two completed, to get an actual pre-approval, then for my team, for the Shannon Wheeler Mortgage Team, that's going to be when additional information has been verified. So for example, if I do the interview, I get the borrower's information on their application, I may pre-qualify them and say, okay, things look like we're off to a good start. Now, I'm gonna need to get a written verification of employment from your employer and some of your recent pay stubs, bank statements, W-2s, those types of things. And so once those things are received, once the borrower has given me some of that basic documentation that I can verify that they do have that amount of money to put down that they stated, that they do in fact earn the amount of money that they stated on their application. It's not a complete underwriting approval, but it is now a pre-approval, meaning we've done the pre-qualification, we've done the interview, we've got the application, and we've verified some of your information. So that borrower at that pre-approval stage is ready to go to the next part of their journey, which is locating a property and writing a contract. Okay, so let's talk about part three of the loan process. So to recap a little bit, what we're doing right now is going through the five stages of a mortgage loan. The first stage is the application stage. The second stage is the pre-approval or pre-qualification slash pre-approval stage. We talk about that a little bit and we'll go into that in later episodes about the difference between uh, being pre-qualified, being pre-approved and what that means. And the next stage or the third stage is the documentation and processing stage. 
Fourth stage is underwriting and fifth stage is closing. We'll get to those later. But for right now, we want to talk about that third stage, which is the documentation and processing stage. So there's a lot, obviously, that goes into getting a mortgage application documented properly so that underwriting can make a decision on whether they are or are not going to extend credit to that borrower. So what you have to keep in mind is it's real easy to come to my office, sit down with Shannon and talk to him and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do and, and this is what uh, I, I need and so on and so forth. And you can easily forget that there are going to be people who are going to look at your mortgage application and look at your loan application and look at your documentation who have not got any idea who you are. They don't know where you come from. They don't know how well you meet your obligations. They don't know any of these things. And so if you take a look at the documentation and processing that goes into a mortgage, those things are going to remain the same and you have to treat them like the person who's going to be looking at your loan application does not have any idea who you are. So oftentimes during the interview process, I'll tell my borrowers. Now, you have to understand that we make a lot of our decisions locally. Um, we're going to process your mortgage locally. Um, we're here locally to be able to help, but when you're putting your mortgage information together, you have to assume that the person that's look, looking at your mortgage uh, has not got any contact with you whatsoever. All they have to go by is the documentation that we give them. So it's very important that you listen to your loan officer, listen to the processors, listen to the people who are telling you what they need to get your mortgage done. I can trust, you can trust me when I tell you, um, the professionals that are helping you want to make it as easy as possible, as convenient as possible. Uh, we all want good recommendations and good referrals, and we want our clients to have a wonderful experience. But part of having that wonderful experience is not cutting corners on your documentation. So a lot of times what happens in our business is loan officers, in an effort to make the process easy and in an effort to um, seem as if there's no effort that goes into it, um, can do the process and do the customers a disservice by not telling them accurately what they're going to need. So for example, let's say you're qualified for and looking at obtaining a mortgage that requires 30 days recent pay stubs, okay? So if I just tell the borrower, hey, send me your recent pay stubs, send me the last two or three, um, or I say I need 30 days worth of your pay stubs, and the borrower just sends in three pay stubs and they get paid weekly, and so they've only got 21 days of coverage on those pay stubs, well, something is starting to go amiss and it's going to cause a problem later. So if the loan officer doesn't say, uh, no, Mr. And Mrs. Borrower, um, appreciate the documentation that you've sent in, but we really have to cover that 30-day period. If you do that right away, then the borrower can provide the information right away and you keep moving through the loan process. But if you cut corners or if you say, you know what, we'll circle uh, around later and get that 
last pay stub, the more you push those things off and the less you adhere to the documentation requirements in the very beginning, then you're just asking for problems later in the loan process. So that documentation and processing stage also is going to involve several different people that are going to be working on your file. So for example, if the loan program that you're qualified for um, <coughs> requires us to verify your employment in writing, then it's during that stage that my processor, someone on my team, someone on my staff is going through the steps that have to be gone through behind the scenes to verify that employment in writing. Now, a lot of times there are safeguards in place and there are procedures in place uh, that sometimes don't make a lot of sense for the borrower. Um, however, they really do make a lot of sense when you think about what the end goal of the lender is. And the end goal of the lender is to provide the borrower with high quality loan products at great prices with a great experience. The other part of that is that once that mortgage loan is completed, once uh, it's closed and the security is attached to the collateral, once that process takes place, that mortgage becomes its own product. And that product can be bought and sold uh, on what we can what we call and what's accurately described as a secondary market. The reason this becomes important is again, if you understand that the documentation required to do that are not correct, these are all things that can happen. And so one of those things is the verification of employment. If you have a verification of employment that's required, then the verification of employment has to be completed by your employer. That information has to be verified and has to come through the individual at your company, someone other than yourself. And when you think that through, it makes a lot of sense. If you had borrowers filling out their own verifications of employment, it's a little bit like make your own change at the bar night, right? You can see where it could lead to some problems. So just keep in mind that all of these things have a process and all of these things have processes for a reason. We're going to cover each one of these in more detail, some of the specifics about processing uh, and documentation and some of the pitfalls to avoid so that your mortgage process can go smoothly, you can have a great experience, and get closed on time with less stress. Or I would say no stress, but that's probably not going to be the case, uh, but definitely with less stress. All right, so that's going to bring us to stage four of the loan process, which is the underwriting stage. So, you know, we've gone through uh, the first uh, three stages of the process. So we've, we've gone through the application stage, and then we've gone through the pre-approval slash pre-qualification stage, and then we've gone through the processing and documentation stage, and now we're at the underwriting stage. Now, the underwriting stage uh, obviously is very, very important. You can't get a mortgage loan closed without getting underwriting approval. So it is crucial to the process. 
Um, and there's some things that you'll want to know when you go into the underwriting phase. So the first thing is, if we look at the timeline of a normal mortgage closing, now obviously we can close sooner than this at times, and obviously it can sometimes take a little bit longer depending on different factors, but for the most part, the whole process from application to closing, you know, we try to time these things up on about a 21-day time frame in our internal working. So in our mind, uh, we try to set our clocks for the events that we need to have happen, happen within those 21 days. However, the process typically, um, we say, takes 30 days. Uh, and a lot of that, too, has to do with the contract times when you write uh, purchase contracts. In some markets, closing much sooner becomes, in, in some market conditions, closing much sooner becomes um, something that, that you try to get done um, to help your borrowers secure the properties that they're looking for. In the current market, um, a 30-day time frame usually works pretty well for both parties. Of course, there are exceptions, but the main thing is that process takes about 30 days. So when you've gone through the first three stages of the process and you're ready for underwriting, typically that's going to come, you know, about halfway through the process. So from the time you come in, talk with your loan officer, put in your loan application, and that process begins. And we're going to assume that you find a property right away. So as all of these other stages are taking place in preparation for underwriting, then about halfway through, so about 14 days into the process, something along those lines, uh, depending again on whether we want to have the appraisal with the file when it goes to the underwriter or if you go to the underwriter before that time, all of those things come into play. But in general, you'll get into uh, an underwriter's desk or onto an underwriter's desk about halfway through the process. So now let's understand and keep in mind what the underwriter's function really is. Now, most people would consider, I think, the underwriter, when it gets to underwriting, good morning, Tommy Davidson, when it gets to underwriting, uh, yeah, um, then that's going to be the time where the underwriter is going to make that decision on whether or not you are going to be extended credit or not. Now, it is not the end of the story. It doesn't completely make that decision. However, the underwriter's job is to make sure that the guidelines that the lender has for your credit file, your income, your collateral, your program type, your source of funds for down payment, all of those things that we've been working to verify up to that time are going to be what the underwriter is going to verify and validate on behalf of the lender. Now, we're going to get into a lot of the specific sections of underwriting and how an underwriter looks at each particular part of a loan file later in the series. But for today, the thing that you're going to want to know is that there's a general time frame that underwriters operate on when it comes to the credit worthiness of the borrower. Now, there are obviously exceptions to this, meaning there are events, bankruptcies, foreclosures, different things like that. They can have timelines that will either cause a longer period of time for you to be able to get approved for a mortgage uh, or a waiting period that you have to go through. There are those things that can affect when you're able to get your approval done and the time frame that the underwriter is looking at. 
but in general the underwriter is going to want to know where you have been working, living, etc. for the most recent two-year period leading up to your mortgage application. Then the underwriter is also going to want to pay attention to what they believe your, your, your uh, income situation is going to be for the three years after closing. So let's say, for example, you're wanting to buy a house and you found the perfect property and you've talked to your loan officer, you've gone through the first few stages and you're ready to write a, you write a contract and you're ready to go to underwriting and let's say it's March in uh, 2024. So the underwriter is going to want to go back to March of 2022 to review your salary income, your earning income, where have you been working, how long have you been on your job, and she's really, he or she is really focusing on that most recent two-year period. Then once they've gotten comfortable with where the previous two years have taken you and how you've conducted your, your income and earned your income, et cetera, for that previous two years, the burden on, on underwriting in most instances, and again, all of these things have some exceptions, but in most instances, that underwriter is going to have to ask him or herself, does this source of income that I'm using to qualify this borrower have likelihood of continuance for the next three years? So that underwriter is going to look at that uh, income, look at that job situation, and ask uh, themselves, does this likely continue for three years? Now, how do they determine that? Well. Part of what we'll get into when we get into income verification in the underwriting process is how they determine or get comfortable with the fact that they believe that that income is going to continue for three years into the future. One just kind of obvious example would be if you're a contract employee, even if you are on a W-2, but you're a contract employee, meaning you have a definite end time to your current income situation, then you can see where that would cause potentially a question to arise in underwriting. Doesn't mean that you can't get approved. Doesn't mean that we can't get a loan product for you. I want you to understand as you're getting yourself ready to buy a home, you're getting yourself ready to talk to your loan officer, and you're trying to ask yourself um, what the options are for you to purchase a home, then that's one of the things that you're gonna to wanna to pay attention to. So if you are a contract employee and you have a definite end time to your contract, then that's going to be a question that will come up. Again, doesn't mean that you can't get approved. Hey, good morning, Dave Speck. Doesn't mean that you can't get approved, but what it does mean is, for example, if you are in healthcare IT, they typically work oftentimes as W-2 employees, but they work on contracts that have definite end dates. They'll work eight months at one vendor, they'll work 12 months at another, and they work per job, but oftentimes stay very consistently employable. So that's gonna be one of those situations where when it gets to underwriting, we're gonna have a nice letter in there from the loan officer, we're gonna have a letter in there from the borrower, and it's gonna address this concept that, yes, I may only work on one-year contracts, but you can see from my previous history that I've had a consistent history of doing that for a number of years, and because I have, let's say, for example, a qualification or relevant experience, and my current employer, even though they're on a contract basis, 
is indicating that that income is likely to continue, for those reasons, the underwriter can build a comfort level that that income is going to continue for the next three years. So it's those types of things that we'll drill into a little bit more in the underwriting portion of the series, but just know that once you get to the underwriter's desk, about halfway through the process, he or she is going to go through and ask themselves, where has this borrower been for the most recent two years, and what do I think this borrower's income is going to look like in the next three years so they can make sure that they've got a good comfortable feeling that you're going to be able to comfortably make your house payments. Okay, so let's talk about the final stage of the closing process and of the mortgage and real estate purchase process. Now, if you are purchasing new real estate, purchasing a new home or a new existing home or a new construction home, then the final thing that's going to happen before you get those keys and you're ready to start moving furniture is you're going to have your closing. Now, the closing is when you complete all of the paperwork to transfer the title from the seller into your name. Or, if you're refinancing, when you close, you're replacing your old mortgage, or if you don't have a mortgage on the property, you're placing a new mortgage on the property. But the closing is that process that completes that transaction. So there's a few things that you're going to want to know about closing, and we'll go into it more deeply in that section uh, that week we concentrate on just features of closing, but some of the things that you'll want to know in general about closing is that the closing is conducted by uh, mostly attorneys or attorneys that own title companies. So you may hear your realtor or your lender talk about the title company or the title provider or the closing attorney. These are all terms that point to that firm that completes all of the paperwork, makes sure everything is signed correctly, makes sure all the correct documents have been, have been signed uh, correctly, and they then will record all of the new information. So the big thing about closing that you really need to understand is that there are typically in a purchase transaction two sides. Not typically, there's always going to be two sides. There's a buyer and a seller. So someone is selling 123 Lucky Lane to you as the new buyer. That transaction needs to be completed and legally completed so that when title is transferred and recorded, then you as the new owner have clear and free, free and clear title to your new property with no other encumbrances. So behind the scenes, while you're going through the mortgage application process and the other stages that we talked about, application, documentation, um, and processing, underwriting, um, all of those stages, there's also title work or legal work that's being done to ensure that that property can pass from the seller to the buyer with no other encumbrances. So that's what we call free and clear title, or you have the ability to pass title free and clear. Now, 
the seller in a transaction and a buyer in a transaction each have a need for legal representation potentially but there's also a third party or a third entity or a third being in that process that needs representation and that is the transaction itself so the title companies are there and the title attorneys are there to do a few things when it comes to your closing they are going to make sure that the seller gets representation and that the buyer gets representation but that the transaction itself also gets representation because in the end that transaction needs to be done correctly for all parties so what are some of the functions that are happening before you get to closing well some of those things are the title company and the title attorney whomever we've engaged or whoever you've engaged to complete the closing for you is doing what we call a title search and that's where they look at the courthouse records and they go to ensure that they have a good accurate chain of title meaning they can see where this property started out as 123 Lucky Lane owned by Mr. and Mrs. Jones and 15 years ago Mr. and Mrs. Jones sold 123 Lucky Lane to Mr. and Mrs. Miller Mr. and Mrs. Miller then 10 years later sold that property to Mr. and Mrs. Williams and then they sold that property to you so the closing attorneys are going to make sure that those um, that those transactions were all done in, in a proper order and done correctly so that they have a complete chain of title now there are um, things that can happen in that chain of title and or if things get um, off track in that chain of title then the attorneys seek to remedy that so they can perfect that chain of title or if for some reason there's a, a, a problem that can't be corrected then that's what you have title insurance for so again later in the series we'll get into more of the details about what those things are and what they mean but for the most part all of that is going to run in the background and you're going to come to closing and you will have gone over all of your uh, mortgage paperwork and loan paperwork with me or your loan officer and you will have gone over everything that you need to know from your realtor uh, they've made sure that uh, you've done your final walkthroughs and all those sorts of things and so closing is that celebration day that's the day that everything gets completed your mortgage has been done your real estate stuff has been done and that's when you get to pick up your keys so it's a very exciting day and even for people that that move fairly often you know a closing is just not something that you do all of the time it's sort of a special event so it a, marks a big change in your life it marks um, you know a great asset being added to your family and or sometimes it can be emotional if you're the seller and you're selling a property that you've lived in for a long time so there's a lot of joy it's a celebration uh, but it's also a highly emotional time uh, potentially so all of those things come into play at closing we're going to go into some of the things that you're going to need to know specifically about the functions of closing but for today I wanted to just focus on that last stage and that's where things uh, get completed so when you hear your realtor or your loan officer refer to closing or talk about closing that's what we're talking about and we're talking about 
that time where the attorney sits down, makes sure all the paperwork is correct for all parties, loan is put in place on the property, title is transferred, all those sorts of things. Closing typically takes about an hour. I tell people it takes about an hour. You can get through it a little bit more quickly, uh, but if there's questions or things that, uh, that aren't clear to you when you get to closing, then they can, it can take a little bit longer. But for most people, if you set aside an hour, uh, then that's plenty of time to slowly go through, make sure you understand each form, make sure that you understand exactly what you're signing and that everything is correct. And then that process, once completed, you should be able to pick up your keys and do all those sorts of things that your realtor has arranged for you um, when you get ready to, to finish the property. Then after closing, all of that paperwork is going to be recorded by the closing attorney. That's what gives you your right to the property. Part of what they're going to record also, if you've gotten financing, is going to be uh, the new mortgage is going to be recorded. So you have the deed, the note, the note, the deed of trust. And so all of these legal documents are what give you possession of that property and actual ownership of the property. So that's what happens at closing. And it is obviously the most exciting day because it is the day that all of these other things are sort of geared towards uh, having happened. So the biggest thing is your mortgage lender, the regulations that are in place now dictate that you should be completely up to speed on everything having to do with your mortgage by the time you get to closing. Your realtor will have already made arrangements with you to pick up keys and garage door openers and make move plans and all those sorts of things. So closing can be an exciting day. Uh, everything is most often completely in order by the time you get to the closing and that is the final step in the process. Then it's just a matter of the funnest part of buying a new house which is moving. Of course, don't go look for your professionals when it's time to move. They've probably got other things to do, uh, but uh, in all seriousness, closing is the day that we all work towards. That's the day that we all look forward to as a completion of the process, and it is the final stage in the process. So we've got your application stage, we've got your pre-qual, pre-approval stage, we've got your processing and underwriting stage, um, and we have your closing. So all of these things are going to take place uh, to make for a happy transaction. And the closing attorney, um, they are selected by um, the realtors typically because that's who they pick. Uh, that's who they typically work with. Uh, you as a borrower do have the opportunity to pick your own attorney. You'll be given that opportunity. And so um, the selection of that attorney really falls to uh, either the realtor or you as the borrower or the seller can pick their own attorney. So you end up in situations where you can have split closings where each side, buyer and seller, each have a closing attorney that represents them. Or you can have one attorney that represents both sides. We'll have a closing attorney uh, join us on the show and join us on the podcast so that you can hear from them how that goes. And we look forward to helping any way that we can. And that is the closing process, the final stage of the mortgage process.